everyone, and welcome to the Pixelated Sausage Podcast for the week of Friday, June 25th, 2021. I'm your host, Mark Kuznez, and today I've got an awful lot to talk about. I've played a lot of things. Here and there, just smidges, just little bits here and there, really, really, nothing too deep. But those games I am referring to include the Persistence Enhanced Song of Horror, Later Daters, Empire of Angels, or I didn't remember there being a 1 through 3. There there may not have been, or there were, and they're all mobile. I don't know, because it looks like a mobile-ass game, but uh, I'll get to that in a little bit. Be Fence, Be Mastered, Cross the Moon, Farm for Your Life, Bitmaster, Arcane Colon, The Dog Adventure. I'm not done yet. I'm not done, people. I'm almost done. I got two more. These are just a couple of VR games by the names of Operation Warcade and in the hoop <laughs> but before i get to all that i've been playing and i'll get to it very quickly this episode so still streaming i don't know why i i feel the need to be like yeah i'm, I'm still streaming i haven't given up yet but uh i just finished max pain 3 i don't remember where i was with ratchet and Crank going in commando but i did finish that and i went back off stream and beat the game after giving up on it my last time streaming it and just saying forget it i'm not going to finish this because it would require a little bit of grinding or maybe a lot but i I managed to just do a little bit of grinding to get what i needed to be able to complete the game and yeah i i am not sure what i'll be playing next next week i might take an off week from backlog games and play doki doki literature club plus maybe i don't know how long that game is so i don't know if it'll take up the whole week or or what's going to happen but i am going to by the time you are hearing this recording this is going to matter but i'm going to be playing today friday good old postal four i got a code for that so i figured what is the only real use of a code of postal four it is a streaming so that people can be there while i'm playing this ridiculous game I'm pretty sure I played some of three, but I haven't played any Postal game extensively since two. Because back then, around the time of Postal 1, Postal 2, I was way more into that kind of just really lazy, politically incorrect humor. Humor. And yeah, these days I'm just like, ugh. I, I, I think I'll just get tired of it pretty quickly. But who knows? Who knows? I also think that Postal was a solid game, from my memory at least. I don't think it really played into the humor and just like, oh, I can pee on anything I want and stuff like that, but more so it was just you're playing a person who's committing mass shootings and whatnot, which is the controversy of Postal. If my memory is serving me correctly, correctly, whereas Postal 2 was just like, let's make everything just the worst. Let's just make everything just crap horrible garbage you can pee on everything gary coleman's in it and he is robbing a bank and there's a bunch of racist shit in it and that's okay good for you um yeah weird weird things and it's kind of amazing and cool in its own way that the postal games and running with scissors the developer are still in business and still making postal games 
when we've seen so many other studios come and go and series come and go. It's kind of just, I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's weird. <sighs> but yeah, I'll, I'll probably be streaming that tonight. I was dabbling with some stuff to see about if there was a way to make PC streaming a bit better. But my attempts at that were uh, worse. I, I, it was a more cumbersome attempt at doing it all. And I was just like, well, I could actually just do this one thing. And that'll fix my one main problem, and I'm 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 pretty good, I think, in terms of what I want to do or how I'm going to do all that. Anywho, that's uh pretty much it in terms of what's been going on. I I believe after Max Payne three and and Doki Doki Panic Litter Pokey 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 my kitty Doki Doki Litters Club Plus. Which I'm I'm interested to play and see, even though I don't have any context for how the PC game or PC version works, but potential viewers who do, seeing how the console one differs, because there are things that happen in the original release that could only happen on a PC from what I've been told and heard and read and all that. So I, I don't know how they change that or what they do to make up for that on console like what their alternative thing for that is because i also don't know what that thing is or things are don't know anything about it all i know about doki doki is that you go into it expecting or thinking it's one thing and then it gets really weird potentially really quickly and just keeps getting weirder and weirder and it's also i guess pretty adult themed so I was told to make sure I have my mature filter thing on or whatever, that little pop-up that says, hey, this stream is for mature audiences. No, no, no kids allowed. So I know that, but how things change up and what happens, I don't I don't know anything. Uh other than of course it's adult. That's that's the one thing I know now. But yeah, that's enough of this. BS in the beginning. Let's just get on to what I've been playing since it's such a long list of things. So the Persistence Enhance is a roguelite, first-person roguelite that takes place on a space station. And the way this is set up is that when you die during a run, you create a clone of yourself, essentially. And this was originally a VR game, and then it came to consoles and non-VR platforms. I don't know last year maybe and now it's gotten an enhanced version for the current gen consoles the series consoles and the playstation 5 that has ray tracing support and better textures whatnot all that kind of good jazz and yeah i didn't play this but i think i already had a copy of the original release but I, I, I got a code for the enhanced version on Xbox. And I'll say first and foremost, I would recommend not playing it with ray tracing on. It is only available on the Series X, I believe, not the Series S. Uh, just referring to the Xbox specifically. And I found that performance was less than ideal. It's not terrible, but you get a smoother experience when it's turned off. and if it's the difference between a smoother experience and a slightly better visual appearance, 
I'll take that smoother experience every time. And also the the visual improvements aren't that great and in some aspects are worse, at least in my opinion. I'll get to that. But yeah, the ray tracing, you can turn part of it off because there are whatever. Uh, I, don't, I don't know the terms for these things. There's like the lighting system and then the reflection system or something. But what the ray tracing also adds that I found very distracting and weird is this sort of excessive grain filter, but it's not a filter over the entire screen. It's just that objects in the environment all seem to be somewhat grainy, like they're not there. I have it. I thought that maybe it was just a stylistic choice in general, but when I turned off the ray tracing, that was gone. And it's just weird because it looks like there's something wrong with the image and the environment and all the, the textures in ray tracing mode. And you have to back out of the, the game entirely to do that, and, and you would have to lose your run if you did that. But, yeah, I just... I didn't find ray tracing to add much to the game and I prefer the way it looked overall without it turned on. My bigger problem with the game is that it is a bit buggy. It did crash on me a few times, so I lost runs and that sucked. But then I also think that it's pretty clear that this is a game that was designed with VR in mind first, and they haven't really done much since to translate it to to consoles and, and to non-VR systems because one of the weirdest controls in the game and something you do very often is that when you want to interact with an object, say to open a door or to pick up something or whatever, the way you do it is by placing your on-screen cursor, your little dot or whatever, over said object or door handle or whatever, and then leaving it there for two, three seconds, and then it'll activate it or do whatever. Instead of just pressing a button, you have to do that, which feels very VR-y in terms of controls. So I found that to be really weird and odd that that they didn't change that, that it's just still that way. And then the game itself, it just, it's interesting. I like a lot of the ideas and there are ways to improve your, your character and your clones with better health and better melee damage. You have a shield, like a lot of it is based on melee attacking and you can find these fabricators in the world that you can build and craft certain weapons that'll have limited uses. You can get weapons and find weapons, projectiles like in the, in the form of guns that'll have minimal ammunition for using. And it's all, it's all fine. Like I find that the enemies who have guns can be really, really problematic in how if you're not being super stealthy, which you really have to, you just have to be super fucking stealthy in the game. But if you are not being as careful as you can be, then if you 
happen to run across an enemy with a gun and you end up in their line of sight, you can lose so much health in such a short period of time that it's it becomes really frustrating and almost kind of just kills that run you're on. It it, it made me feel defeated every time because I'm just like, well, this this run's kind of pointless. I I took so much damage just because there was a uh, an enemy with a gun at the very 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 end of this hallway. They saw me and then they just hit me with a bunch of pinpoint accurate shots, and that was frustrating. And it, it doesn't look that good either. To go back to like the ray tracing stuff, like the fact that it does struggle performance wise when the actual geometry and objects like the polygonal count can't be that high because it was a, a vr game not that vr games can't look really nice but I, I don't think this was probably a good looking one based off of this which isn't to say it looks bad it just it's not it's not what i would call a looker and then even with the the ray tracing stuff turned on it's still not a looker and so it just kind of sucked that the performance is where it's at in, the, in that regard but I like if if it was more streamlined or more designed for non-VR platforms in this non-VR version and the crashing which I experienced a few times wasn't as prevalent, ideally non-existent, I'd be more interested in continuing to play it. I I have my issues with some of the game design, but those aren't that problematic as much as it is just the the technical issues that the game has that are, are holding it back for me uh yeah it's okay it's okay it could be better that, that that's that's what sucks about the persistence really is that it is okay but i see the potential in it and who knows if they're making a sequel or anything like that because I don't, I don't expect this to ever be updated to not feel like a VR game ported to consoles to make it feel like it's at home here. Um, so, not sure, but uh, it's it's it like it it reminds me to some extent of the surge in that I, I would say the surge was a better thing overall and that also had the fact that they had made lords of the fallen prior to that but it reminds me of the surge in that i can see a lot of potential in here there are rough edges but i don't hate it and i i want to see more there are parts that i really like about it and i don't want this to be the last i see of the series that you know is just a single game at this point and from the studio like i i i don't dislike this game uh i just wish it was more than what it actually is and song of horror is a survival horror game third person i for some reason thought it was first person before i booted it up and then i was met with the third person camera and it's like oh that's what this is and this is kind of the Worst of all worlds in terms of survival horror games for me. The worst of both worlds. I was trying to. I was doing a playoff of best of both worlds, but then I was like, worst of what worlds? Huh? How does that go? But 
My problem with Song of Horror is that, one, the characters you control are fucking ugly. They're ugly as shit. The environments themselves look pretty good, but your characters all look really crappy, and they're all dumb. I don't really care that much about the story. But there is no safe mode to speak of, which I find frustrating in any horror mode or any horror game these days. I find it disappointing whenever that's not there, especially in a game like this that is pretty story heavy. If it's a game that's just built around jump scares and all that and and atmosphere and, and whatnot, I can understand not having a safe mode if your entire game is about all that. But when you have a narrative going on and stuff like that, I just... I find it frustrating and annoying that a safe mode does not exist. And I'm sure the argument is that it would defeat what they're going for with the game and the gameplay. Because the way it works here is that you have your little prologue where you're playing a dude. And then he gets caught up in this basement of a house. And three days later, you go to find them and you can pick one of at the start, like one of five characters or so to take in. And if they die while you're you're searching for this other person, you'll bring in a new character. And that person will just be gone forever on the default difficulty setting. And so on and so forth. Things will change as you get from chapter to chapter. And the enemies are more annoying than scary. And the, the game itself is just kind of more annoying. Like, I I hate the way it controls in that it's very much so like a 3D point-and-click adventure game. And that's, like, even worse than tank control Resident Evil games. Like, it's just... It's the least pleasurable way to play a survival horror game that I can think of is using 3D point-and-click adventure controls now just uh to clarify i don't mean that you point and click to move the character you still have uh control over the character but just the way you interact with the environment and stuff like that feels more akin to 3d point and click adventure games than anything else which you know in a way the the tank controlling resident evil games are like but i think there's just a slight difference and I, I wasn't a fan of that. But, yeah, I just, like, I like some of the concepts here, but it just failed to grab me and make me want to keep playing. I didn't care about the characters. And, yeah, it was uh, a bit disappointing, especially the, the lack of a, a safe mode. I think this, this game and, and what I've played of it I don't, I don't see a reason why there couldn't be a safe mode in it. They have difficulty settings that allow it to be a bit easier so that you can turn off permadeath, sort of. like they're, they're Turning off permadeath is just, oh, we'll have it set up so that if you die, you'll just be able to load the last save or whatever. So that's, that's, that's the accessibility option in that sense. But, yeah. Uh, didn't really do much for me. Later daters, however, I was really feeling it's a dating sim where you play as a senior citizen. You go to a new retirement home or whatever. And 
I really, really enjoyed my time with this game. I think it has really charming art style. I think the writing is pretty solid. And what I love more than anything is how inclusive it is to all people and you know, the, the various LGBTQIA plus community and identities and the way that intertwines itself into the narrative that maybe some people would be like, I, I, why, why are you telling me this? I don't need to know this or, or whatever. But I, I appreciate the fact that when I created my character, I use MX because that's what I use in real life. I'm a non-binary person. So I use that. And when I was arriving at the retirement home and they had me fill out my form and they looked at it like, oh, what's 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 this MX? Is, oh, that's because I identify as non-binary, blah, blah, blah. They went into a very short spiel explaining what that means, why I use it, etc. And I just thought it was so cool to have that in there. And I just think the overall inclusive nature of the game is wonderful. I don't think it shoves it in your face or anything or, 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 or whatnot. So if that's something where you're like, okay, I, I I support this, but I don't want to be constantly reminded. Like I, I don't think it's doing that. But um, I was then talking with another character who joined the same day as me, and they revealed to me that they were trans. Like there's there's just a lot of good representation in it and solid writing, and just yeah, it's a super delightful, inclusive little thing that I am all for uh I, I highly recommend that if you enjoy yourself a dating sim because it's got some nice art plenty of choices to make and dialogue options that will either be reflective in actual dialogue or maybe it's just your internal monologue but yeah later daters is a good time i believe it's eight dollars so it's not that much either then Empire of Angels 4 is a tactics game with a chibi art style that looks very much like a mobile game ported to consoles, and it very well may be or may have roots in mobile in the, the previous three Empire of Angels games, if those exist, as I alluded to at the beginning of the show. But it's a, it's fine. It's super easy. You control, I think, I think the entire cast of characters, I think everyone is, you know, speaking of their, their sex, I don't want to say their gender identity, I don't know what their, their identity is, but they, they have the traditional appearance of ladies, and the the part where it really shows its anime roots, because it's all, you know, TV anime art, but where it really reminds you that it's an anime as anime game and it's only really in this aspect because i don't think it's shoving anything else in your face in terms of art or like character profile pixels or stuff like that but when you defeat an enemy their clothing will magically disappear and they'll be in their underwear and uh yeah when that happened the first time i'm like oh this is this is some anime as anime shit and that's not for me but whatever it's not super terrible because it's just this really simplified chibi art, but it's just like, oh, okay, I, I guess that's that's happening. That's what this is. But it's a 
pretty basic tactics game. It's all grid-based, and you have two actions per character uh, every round. So one of those actions will always be movement, and then another action will be whatever. You can attack, decide to defend, do a special move or whatever, but you only have those two actions. So you can move wherever you want to go and then perform whatever you want to do. You don't have multiple actions. You can't perform multiple attacks if you don't move during your turn. So, yeah, really, really, really simple. And in my experience of what I played, very, very easy as well. So, yeah, it's it's perfectly fine, but uh, I I think it's twenty dollars with a launch discount of twenty percent off, so uh, sixteen dollars. There there is surely probably twenty dollars worth of content there, but just based on my initial impressions, again, based off of the time I put in, the few hours I put into it. I didn't find it to start ramping up the difficulty or the strategy required or, or whatever to make me really want to keep playing and, and see where it goes and whatnot. So yeah, it's okay, but I don't know if I would recommend picking it up uh, for anyone unless you are just dying for a tactics game and you played everything else. I would just recommend, you know, if you don't already have Into the Breach, just get Into the Breach and play that. Or if you already have Into the Breach, just keep playing that. Why Why do you need any other tactics game if you have Into the Breach? That's all you need. Just keep playing Into the Breach forever and ever and ever and ever. And that game, Into the Breach uh, specifically, needs to be coming to Xbox and PlayStation 4 and more so than anything else to mobile. I want to play that on my iPad. It'll be the only game I'd actually play on my iPhone if it existed i don't play games on my iphone i haven't for years but if that came out oh boy you better believe i'd be playing that then b fence be mastered is a tower defense game that came out on i don't know what platforms but i think it was around 2016 i think that's what i saw and this is just a re-release of it i guess i don't know what's been added or what's changed but uh and i'm playing these all on xbox which is, you know, usually the case. You know, that's what you should always come to expect, really. But it's a tower defense game where you control a, a group of bees. And the way it works is that you have pollen that you collect that makes your, your bee troopers happy. You want to keep them happy. And then you're also collecting honey or whatever that you use as your currency for building turrets and improving turrets and so on and so forth and like empire of angels 4 it is very very simple it is very very easy and that's not a bad thing but for me at least i quickly lost interest just because of how incredibly easy it was it actually makes empire of angels 4 look challenging in comparison and that might be because defense be master has this very kid-friendly aesthetic like I, I think this game would probably be great for kids because they would love the bright colorful art and the bee vibe of it and it's very I don't know, basic but it's kind of charming in its own way sense of humor um yeah it, it it's just 
very, very simple and easy. That that's ultimately my problem with it. But it, it it's competent in terms of uh you know, mechanics and all that jazz. So yeah, that is again be fence be mastered. Then Cross the Moon is a visual novel where you play as a handful of different vampires. There's a murder mystery going on. And this is like I really like the art. I think it does a lot of cool things with the art and having the characters in black and white and then the environments are these like usually it's like just in, entirely in one color and stuff like i think there's a lot of cool stuff happening with the art but while the story itself is well written and interesting i think that's done well this is the worst kind of visual novel for me the kind that i hate more than anything because i look at it and i just think what is the point of this and it is that cross the moon is, and I do appreciate this. I want, I want to mention this from the description because it says that it features a linear visual novel told through the eyes of three protagonists. Key word being linear. There are no choices whatsoever to make. All this is, is a visual novel. As exact as that title can be for anything. It is pure reading with visuals, nothing more. You're not making any choices whatsoever. So there's not really much replay value. I mean, there's not any replay value, really. And there is around 100,000 words of text, which is impressive. That's a, lot, that's a lot of writing. That's a lot of reading. A large cast of 24 illustrated characters, a thousand plus photographs make the story come to life. And hours of original soundtrack. Well, like, the thing for me is that I I went through an entire playthrough. I skipped around too because I, I was just curious. Like I wanted to, to get through it a bit quicker. And it's just it's just, you know, it's not my thing. I know people love visual novels, and I'm still trying to find that one that changes my mind. That makes me say, okay, I understand the appeal of these. But a game like this is one that will never appeal to me. I didn't know going in that there were no choices that this was a linear visual novel. And if I did, I probably wouldn't have even bothered. But if that is something that doesn't turn you off, then I think it's really worth checking out. Because like I said, the writing's not too shabby. Story solid. Like... The rest of the game is solid to varying degrees. I just, if I have no choice, I, I just don't see why I'm, this is the like least desirable way to experience, to consume a story possible for me. When you compare consuming a story by just reading it in an actual book or on a Kindle or whatever, or watching a movie, watching a TV series, listening to an audiobook. I like just reading text as it's happening on my screen as a quote-unquote video game. No, that's not my thing at all. But if that's your thing, Cross the Moon's definitely worth checking out because it's it's a Rod Like Games joint. So I I don't know where I'm going with that, but it, it's. I'm going with the fact that they do charge 
10 bucks here and there for the game. So I don't, this is only a $5 game. And I think it should still be on sale for the launch period for $4. So it is such a small barrier. Uh, it has such a small barrier to entry for it. So if you if you like visual novels and maybe you're you're a little iffy also on the linear nature of it and you prefer having some choice some agency, so you don't know how you'll feel about it. Like for four dollars, why not? You'll probably if you are a fan of visual novels, you'll probably get four dollars worth of enjoyment out of this, even if you don't even finish it. Um, I mean four dollars is barely anything. So yeah, that's Cross the Moon. Then Farm for Your Life is a farming, a, like a casual farming simulator or a game, I guess. But it is so fucking buggy and messy right now that I just, I could not play it for more than like a half hour because it first took me, I had to do some Googling just to see how to, to launch the game. Because when I, not to launch the game, just like start it up because when I would launch it and it would take me to the main menu, I wasn't able to navigate the main menu or start a game or do anything at all and then once i found out that i had to completely restart my xbox that got it to work and i was able to play the game but then it's just super finicky and cumbersome to control everything you know you're you're planting plants you're planting crops and whatnot and watering them towing the field all the usual farming stuff and the way you do this is everything just feels like it's off and sometimes things will get stuck in a loop like I I got to a point where I was watering and it didn't seem like it was actually working so I was just rapidly pressing the button I'm like why aren't you watering the stuff and then there was like a delay and then they just water the same spot like over and over and over and over again for like 12 waters in a row i'm like i can't i can't cancel out of this i can't back out of this i just have to sit here i I didn't know if i actually broke it and it was just going to keep looping same thing happened when i was like i don't know i was like smiling at the plant after i i don't know i don't know if i was supposed to be fertilizing it or something but i was just like did something with it and then either i or the plant smiled i had like a, a smile emoji above it i'm like what is going on what is happening what is this relationship i have with this crop right now but uh, yeah, it, it, like even when they iron out the technical issues, I don't see much. I don't, I, I don't see the appeal of this over similar games that do exist, even on Xbox, like Farm Together, which is probably the premier farming farming ass game. I, I mean, there's also Stardew, but I feel like that's got more of a that you know that has the town and all that kind of stuff whereas farm together is a pure farming game you know it's it's very casual but it is uh, just about farming you're not interacting with other people and npcs and romancing or doing any of that jazz but uh yeah farm pretty life has the npcs and i just i i didn't i didn't care about anything that was happening uh bitmaster is a twin stick shooter where you're hovering around on a little skateboard I mean, I guess it would be a hoverboard and shooting objects as they come at you. And it's it's fine, I guess. But one of the annoying things about it is that levels are structured in this labyrinthian style. 
and enemies can go through these barriers, but you can't, and I hate that. And it was just, it was pretty slow to start and boring, and then it it kind of ratchets up very quickly. Like it is slowly getting more and more intense, but never anywhere near the intensity that I wanted from a twin six shooter of this ilk. And then all of a sudden, I was just like, okay, now there are just fucking enemies everywhere. And it was just a very weird and poor bit of pacing in terms of the difficulty ramp up. But the the real problem is that the, the, whole hover, the whole hoverboard thing doesn't feel that good. And more so than that, the the problem really is that the shooting is not at all satisfying. You have a handful of different weapons. You can toggle between four, I believe. They don't feel different enough. And even as you upgrade them, it just, it wasn't satisfying. And as someone who really loves twin six shooters and is maybe more forgiving than others, I, I just, I did not have any fun with it at all. Then Arkin, the dog adventurer, is a mashup. I don't want to say platformer, but like, so the way it works, and I guess this is where the Arkin comes in, is that it is an Arkanoid breakout style game where you are controlling this dog character and you have, you're on the left side of the screen and there'll be an invisible barrier, a point at which you can't go any further to the right. And you have a little ball that you smack with your sword, whatever, towards the right side of the screen to destroy the blocks and eventually get to this enemy that is there. And you keep jumping around the environment, doing a bit of platforming in this single screen environment, smacking the ball back towards the right side of the screen in order to keep destroying everything until you open up a... a, a way to the enemy of the level to hit them and defeat them. It's kind of an interesting concept, but in practice, it's just, it's missing something. Uh, I mean, part of it maybe just be that the production value is very low, but I just, I wasn't feeling it. So yeah, it's, it's not bad exactly, it's just uh, very forgettable and, and nothing particularly special, despite the fact that it's a it's an interesting idea for a game. Uh, I appreciate that at least. Then the two VR games I played, Operation Warcade is like classic arcade shooters where you got a Uzi and you're just shooting enemies. Uh, both of these are Ab Lab or whatever games. And the biggest problem with Operation Warcade is that while I really enjoyed playing it most of the time, I think it's very simple and fun. It's pretty easy when enemies shoot at you. Instead of it being like, oh, here's an on-screen indicator that the enemy is shooting a bullet that will damage you. It's just like in other shooty VR games where they will shoot projectiles at you and then you have to dodge them by moving your body. Or if you kill the enemy who shot those bullets, the bullets will disappear along with the enemy. The problem with the game, though, is that, I guess this is because it's in the experimental section, it runs overall well most of the time, 
but it can get really choppy and the performance and frame rate can drop significantly at times. And this seems to always happen at the, the very beginning of a level. And when you transition between little areas inside of a level, it's really uh, distracting is not the right word. Uh, discomforting, uh, unpleasant because it's all in VR. Like it, it just adds a, a, an extra layer of unpleasantness to the whole thing. But yeah. It's a bummer because I do enjoy the game itself quite a bit, but the performance issues as it stands, because I'm still unsure of how the whole ab lab thing or whatever it is works. Like, is this a game that is purchasable on the Oculus store and, and, and something that's like the equivalent of early access and game preview and all that? where this will just eventually get a 1.0 release or a proper release where they where they feel confident in saying that it's where it should be and that it's now good for anyone. Because I can imagine that someone who is more prone to motion sickness or, or VR sickness in general uh, would, would find this experience very uncomfortable. But other than that, I enjoy the game quite a bit. I like the game. I think it's super fun to play. Very simple. Very easy. But a lot of fun, even despite all that. Then Into Hoop is a basketball shooting game. So think like in the arcade, those basketball shooting games. is It's basically that. And I was very excited to mess around with it, especially because there is a hand tracking mode. That in the trailer, they make everything look like it's just like working so smoothly. But this is my first time trying out hand tracking in a game. And I found it to be incredibly unreliable and frustrating. More than I ever could have expected. It was a real pain in the ass. And then I was trying to figure out how to like, I just wanted to back out and get to use the controllers again. But I had to close the app entirely. Because trying to just navigate the thing, because I, I was frustrated and I picked up my controls. I'm like, I'm done trying this hand tracking. But it didn't recognize or didn't care that I picked up the controllers. And I was like, no, you if you want to go back to using controllers, then you need to like completely back out using your hands. And then I put the controllers down and then it wasn't recognizing my hands. And I was like, what is going on? I just want to get the hell out of here. And then even using the controller, which is way more accurate, it just... The the thing is, in a game like this, I want to be able, what you should be able to do is shoot a basketball like you do in real life. You should be using your natural range of motion, your natural shot to shoot the ball in the same way that you would in real life and for it to be as accurate as it is in a real life. That wasn't the case. Like I basically had to figure out the correct motion in order to shoot the ball accurately and the fact that I had to actively think about the way I was shooting took away any potential enjoyment because if I'm not able to just freely shoot especially when I started to play the game normally outside of the tutorials and you know you want to move really quickly it just was not working at all the accuracy wasn't there for me so yeah that was 
a big bummer. Maybe uh, maybe the biggest bummer of the bunch because I was excited to mess around with hand tracking and even ignoring that, I was just excited about the game itself because I, I always enjoy those arcade games. And the trailer made it look like it was going to be great. Like the hand tracking and everything, just the, the controller. Tra- like it just seemed like, man, this is going to be a great thing. But this is also an ad lab thing. So I don't, or whatever the hell it's called. It's, I, this could change too in time. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, yeah, that is it in terms of what I've been playing. A whole bunch of stuff. And I think a lot of me saying, I don't know, this, that, whatever. Uh, it's a lot to go through in a short period of time. So I like to think that I gave things their fair share. But uh, yeah, it's been a very busy week. Very hectic week. Annoying things with my mattress and other things in general. And me just doing more things to try and get to that point where everything is so fully optimized uh, in my workstation so that I can do this and that and whatnot very easily. Uh, have added and done some things to my space to make... I'm still in the process of just getting everything where I want it to be. So we're not quite at peak optimization yet, but we're getting there. We are getting there, and I feel like I can see the the light at the end of the tunnel. I, I feel confident that everything's going to be nice and wonderful very, very shortly. But, uh, yeah, that will do it for this episode of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast. Once again, I am Mark Krishnaz. Y'all can find me on the Twitters and pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. The site is, of course, pixelatedsausage.com, where you can find this podcast and Attack the Backlog, both of which are available on podcast services across the globe. If you'd like to check out me streaming here and there, usually or pretty much always on weekdays from 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. Central Time, and maybe the occasional stream here and there. I haven't had the time to do a random stream at any other time or even on the weekend. So it's just been that uh, 8 to 11 for for now. But uh, yeah, that's over at twitch.tv slash sausage, So you can follow me if you're not already. Uh, I'll take your free Amazon sub if you don't want it. And whatever. Uh, if you'd like to check out the more refined and edited and fancy stuff I make in the video form, that is, you can go over to youtube.com slash pixelated sausage and watch a video or two there. It's the best way to consume Attack the Backlog. I say the last episode was for Donut County, and I had a little clip from Duckin' Donuts about the munchkins there. My favorite donuts ever. Don't at me. Or do, I don't care, that's fine, we can, we can talk about it. I haven't had a donut in like 20 years anyway. So it doesn't really matter. Uh, but uh, yeah, if you'd like to check out the art I make, you can go back to the site, PixelatedSausage.com, and if you see something you like, you can purchase a print of the piece you fancy. And if you fancy the site in general and anything that we do, please go over to Patreon.com slash PXS and support us that way. As always, Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this here episode, and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. Bye!